He likes to keep us from doing things, don't he? He don't want us praying. He'll do everything he can to keep somebody who is a prayer warrior from getting to a place of prayer. He'll do everything he can. Amen? Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm not worthy to pray. I haven't lived good enough to pray. No, you can talk to God. How do you think you got saved? You talk to God in prayer, and that's how it happened. And so he'll do anything he can to stop the word from going forth. He'll do anything he can to stop uh, God's plans from going forth. He'll keep us from prayer. He'll keep us from reading the word. He'll keep us from worshiping. He'll do all these kinds of things. But can I let you in on a little secret? If you're saved, you're fighting from a place of victory. And the only one that can stop you or me or anybody else from doing any of these things that God calls us to do is me or you. you say, Everybody say me. I'm the only one that can stop that. The devil don't have that kind of power over us unless we give it to him. So, we're going to continue on with something we talked about last week. We talked about what? What did we talk about last week? Jesus, that's a good answer. Yeah, we're going to mention Jesus. That's a good, I don't know who said it, but you're right on. We talked about God's favor. I told you early on in Deuteronomy chapter 28 that God gives us a list of things that he tells us about the blessings and the cursings concerning our obedience to him. If we obey him, there's blessing. When, and if you read the first part of it, you've got blessings. And if you go to the second part, it's almost he's repeating everything except for you disobeyed and therefore there's curses. And so... We talk about favor many times, and if you watch the TV preachers and, and a lot of other preachers, they're going to tell you that favor always deals with stuff. It always deals with money. You know, sow a seed so it can be multiplied. That's true. You can do that. But that's not all that God's favor is about. It can be about the things and the stuff. But that's not what it's all about. So if you don't have things and stuff, don't think that you don't have God's favor. Because that's the least of it. And so it's about what's going on inside of our hearts. We talked about Solomon last week, how he wasn't even in line to be the, uh, to be the next coming king. But God chose that he was, and so he was. We know that a lot of good things happened when he was on the throne he listened to the Lord, he followed the Lord, he had wisdom, he sought for it, God gave it to him, and then he gave him other things that he didn't ask for because he didn't ask for fame and fortune and wealth. He just wanted wisdom. He wanted to be able to follow the truth and be able to give truth and be able to judge the people the way God saw fit, and so God gave him the other things. But we also know that at the end of his life, he kind of stepped away from that. He had all those wives and idolatry entered in, so God was still able to use, he still had God's favor up until the point when he turned away from God. So that's the point, when we turn away from God, then favor can be in, in jeopardy. And so I want to continue it on this week to say, you know, favor is not just about the stuff. Everybody say it's not about the stuff. You got stuff and there's a lot of sinner people got a lot of stuff too. So that's not what we measure it by, we measure it by how it's going to affect God's kingdom and his work. That's how we do this. So this morning we're going to talk about Esther. So you can turn to Esther. It's just before Job. 
I'm going to hit a few scriptures in there, but I'm kind of going to kind of like highlight it, I think, is where we're going to go with this. But Esther, we know that uh, they're there in, in um, Shushan. The Persians or have them, have the, the Hebrew children or the Jews, have them in captivity. They're slaves, and this is really a holdover from Babylon. Babylon was there, and we know some people went back, but not everybody went back. So they, they were there, and we'll read that. I think it's in the verse or chapter 1, probably, no, chapter 2. It'll tell about that, that they were overhangs or they were leftovers from that kingdom before or from that ruling power before, and now they're here, and they're, they're in Persia, and uh, there's a king that's there. And his name, I'm going to try to say this name. I had to write it down because I couldn't remember it. Akashverosh. That's how you would say it. We say Xerxes. You hear that Xerxes a lot, but it's Akashverosh. And that's a very Jewish way to speak. Akashverosh. Hard to do. But the point is, is when this got started, the book of Esther, it goes way on back. It was way on back to a fellow by the name of Saul. Okay, Saul was told by God when he went to take over the Amalekites, he was told to destroy them, destroy the plunder, get rid of every bit of it. Why? Well, simply because they were into idol worship. The Ashtoreth poles and those kinds of things. But he took it upon himself to listen to the people rather than listening to God, and he didn't destroy everything. As a matter of fact, there was a king there that he didn't destroy, and his name was called Agag, or Agag. He was Agag. But he didn't do that. He didn't destroy him. He didn't destroy the stuff that they got. He didn't follow what God had told him, and then Samuel comes in and says, What are you doing? How dare you think you can outstand what God's doing and go against the word of the Lord and expect something good to be happening? And so Saul or Samuel is the one that kills Agag. And he basically told Saul, he said, you know what, you want to do this on your own, you're on your own. Now, how many of you know it's a bad place to be to be on your own? That's a good amen spot right there. You want to be on your own and kick God out? That's a bad place to be. And that just goes to show we can't use stuff and things to say that we got God's favor because there's a lot of people that don't know God, don't care about God, preach against God, talk against God, want to put him down, that are billionaires. So that's not our measuring stick. So he, he kills the king and... Uh, Saul takes the king's wife and gives her to his son Kish. So now you have this idolatrous people that's entered in that are a part of the Jewish people now that they didn't do what God had told them to do. So now you got idol worship that's moved in. That's in their bloodline. They've, they've bred, you know, they've had babies. They've got families. And so this stuff is able to come in. And so... We look and, and we know that these people are called Agagites by from Agag. If you go down about 16 generations is when you get to where Esther is 
And there's another guy who's an Agagite by the name of what? Haman. Haman. Now, I'm going to try to help you with this story. If you don't know it, read through it. It's about ten chapters, but it ain't that long. And I'm not going to read all of it because we'd be here to five this evening. Anybody willing to stay to five? See a show of hands? Allison, she's in. Two or three are gathered together. One, two. Okay. But we won't do that because everybody else don't want to stay till five. So we won't go into all of it, but we know the story. And so what we have happening here is we have the Jews that are slaves there. We got uh, Haman the, the Haggite, as it tells us in the Bible, that he is basically the number two to Xerxes. I'm going to just call him Xerxes because I can't get the other name right. The king. He's basically the number two guy. He goes to the king and petitions him, and he wants to be the number two fella, and basically goes to the king, and they put a decree out that the people will bow down to him. Okay? That's what we have in this, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'm trying to set the story here. We have 16 generations of bad stuff going on, people not following God, the Jews are in captivity, and now we get to this point in time. Now, I've got a question for you, and I want you to think seriously on it. What if God's favor is not about you? Could that happen? So that takes out the other thing about looking at stuff and how well we're living and all this stuff. We look at, we look at God's favor in America many times as the way you look at the lottery. Bills are paid up, got a nice car, three houses, place in Spain. Go to Hawaii twice a year. Can give all kinds of stuff to the poor. You know, we, we like to mix a little God in there every now and again. That's what we call favor. I want to change your mind about that today. I don't care what you've ever been taught. You were taught wrong if that's all you were taught, that that's what God's favor was. Because we're fixing to go into this story here. That wasn't what the favor was. So, we have in chapter 1, we have the king throwing this big drunken party. And the guys that are sitting around, all the people from all the kingdoms are sitting around and they want Vashti, his queen, to come and dress up and she refuses to go. Well, according to the chronicles of what the king has written, you can't refuse the king like that. Made him look bad and all the men in the kingdom said, you've got to do something because all the women are going to act like this if you don't. Now, these guys had a serious problem, didn't they? Well, ladies, is a good place for an amen. They had a serious problem. They wanted to keep the women under the thumb, you know, keep them under the rule. So Vashti, is, she's ousted. So they talked the king into getting these virgin ladies together and to, and to parade them in front of him so he could choose the next queen. Okay. We have this little girl called Hadessa, who is Esther, that's her Persian name, which means star. She is being raised by her, you know, I think I heard somebody say uncle, but I believe I read that to say that, that it's her cousin, because the uncle was, was, was Mordecai's uncle, so that means that Hadessa or Esther was really the cousin of Mordecai, but they're 
aged her. But anyhow, he took her in to raise her. And these people are in oppression. And so we can see now that there's something going on here with God's favor. You see, God's favor can be in bad circumstances. Amen? Sometimes bad circumstances are the launching pad for God's favor. Anybody ever been in a bad place? And there's a blessing that will come rolling along if we stay true to God. And so if you're in a bad spot, don't get discouraged. Understand God is setting you up. He's setting you up for a blessing. He's setting you up for some favor. He may have some stipulations along the lines with it, as we're going to see you here in a minute. But if you're in a bad spot, God is setting you up for favor to be launched. And that's what happened with these folks. So in Esther chapter 2, we're going to go to verse 12, Charlie. So Mordecai sets her out. He sets Esther out to be a part of this group. Now, number one, they can't tell who she is because as a Jew, she wouldn't be welcome. You know, she's from the wrong side of the tracks, so to speak. But how many of you know God will use anybody he wants? He don't care which side of the tracks you're on, what your name is about. He don't care at all. As a matter of fact, sometimes I think he does it just for meanness to show us, you don't tell me what to do. But they don't tell who she is. And so she comes in, and they put her through this, this uh, preparation period. You got it up there, Chuck? Let me do this so I don't stumble. And each young woman's turn came to go to the king. We'll call him Xerxes. After she had completed 12 months of preparation according to the regulations for the women, for thus were the days of their preparation apportioned, six months with oil and myrrh, and six months with perfumes and preparations for beautifying women. So there was a 12-month preparation in order for these ladies to go before the king. And by the way, there was, they, they couldn't go. Don't get your minds in the gutter. They didn't just have a one-night stand with him. They couldn't touch the king. He couldn't touch them. They're going before him, basically walked in looking pretty, smelling pretty, and reading to him. Now, that's a date, ain't it? Well, how would you feel if that was your date, hoping you get chosen? can't touch him. You just got to have a pretty voice and smell good and look good. And so they get this thing set up and they, they do this preparation, but they do the preparation of oil and myrrh first. Oil and myrrh is, myrrh is a spice, a burial spice, Brother Gene. Whenever they would take and wrap the bodies up, they use this spice to wrap the bodies up because how many of you know after a few days they're going to be rank? So they would mummify them, and that's why when they went to do the spices for Christ's body, same thing. They were going to do this. It was a respectful thing, but it, it was, you know, this myrrh was there, but it had to deal with death. And so the first thing they had to go through was some kind of a death that's going to take place. Picture oil with some sand in it. And they'd take this oil, and they would put it on them for six months Rub it on them. Now, that's going to feel good, ain't it? Now, we buy creams off of TV. Well, I don't. Let me rephrase that. Some people buy creams off of TV 
they say they're going to exfoliate. They're going to clean the skin up, get the junk off, get the stuff out, get the blemishes off. Six months of this, six months that they've done this. How many of you know that you might be in a place right now, you're in God's favor, but you know what? He's getting you ready for down the road. You don't like what's going on. It feels pretty bad. Now, if I had some sand in my hand and rubbed on Randy's head there, I probably could bring the blood. All right, he shaves it, so it might be calloused up. But the point is, is this is a picture to us that whenever we're getting ready to come into God's favor, he looks at you and me and he says, you're not ready for down the road. I've got to get something done first. You know, he might have to come over and come into our house when there's some stuff that shouldn't be there and take care of it. That preparation time might just be God coming in saying, I can't go on to the next level with you until I'm able to do something. So they went through this process. You might have some kind of stuff on your computer that shouldn't be on the computer. And he says, I need to come in and do a little cleaning. I got to clean some house. You might have some stuff sitting in your refrigerator that shouldn't be there. And he says, I've got to come in and do some cleaning house. He's going to look at our hearts and he's going to say, there's some stuff that's there. There's some hatred going on there. There's some bitterness going on there. And I can't use you. I will not use you until we get that cleaned up. And it's going to be a hard, abrasive process sometimes. But God has to get us cleaned up to get us ready to be presented to the king. Do you see a picture going on there? And so they had this process of doing this. And you know what? When you go through six months of sand rubbing all over your body, when you come out, there's also going to be something else good that's going on. You're not going to be thin-skinned anymore. And you ain't got thin skin. It's a whole lot harder to get your feelings hurt for somebody that just ain't grown up with Jesus yet. Praise God. Somebody's getting it. You get some thick skin. You get toughened up to go to the next level of the process. Well, now he wants to do the beautifying process. The cream's off of the TV. No, not really. If I died today and all of my junk, okay, anybody else got some junk in their life? Oh, I can come, you can come to my house up with my refrigerator. That's fine. But I'm talking about stuff that happens inside of here. If I die today, Jesus Christ will stand up for me, and the only thing God's going to see is the blood of his son. But as long as I'm breathing and I can do work for the kingdom, he's going to do some abrasive cleaning. He wants to see me as I'm supposed to be. Let me, give, let me try to make this right. Everybody is dressed up pretty this morning, right? Come on now, you hugged them a while ago and said they look good. So this is time to say, yeah, they look good. Good to see you this morning. If it ain't looking pretty, it might not be good to see them. But I got up this morning at 5 o'clock and took a shower and I shaved, brushed my teeth. I came to church this morning dressed in a suit and a tie to be presentable. That's what you want, right? I come in here in a pair of shorts and flip-flops, it ain't going to go over well. It doesn't matter about the truth. It just matters about what I look like. Am I right? Now, I'm not trying to take away and I'm not trying to start some kind of battle. Don't, don't think I'm going somewhere, okay, with this. It's not right. But that ain't the real me. And it ain't the real you, by the way. 
Look at your neighbor and say, there's something going on in you. And God knows all about it. You see, we want God to look at us. You know, I got up this morning, and if I hadn't have took that shower, you know, I'd have come in here with a bedhead this morning. And bedhead don't look good. Not in my house. Not in my mirror. But you see, that's what I want you to see. That's the image that I'm trying to to portray for Christ. But God says, you know what? I know what's going on inside of you. I know what's in your heart. I know all the stuff that's there. And he wants us to be presentable to him. He wants us to be beautiful. Brother Danny, God wants to look and say, you're beautiful. Sweetie, God wants to look at you and say, you're beautiful. But we have to go through this beautifying process to go before the king. Do you understand that I make that clear enough? God knows what's going on. He knows what's inside of every heart here this morning. He knows what happened at 3 o'clock this morning maybe. Something you don't want to get out. But he knows. So it doesn't matter if you're in the suit and tie. Got the shiny shoes and the combed hair and the trimmed eyebrows and all. It doesn't matter because God already sees and knows. But she went through this process to go before the king. Now she goes before the king. What happens? He takes a liking to her. And so we see that we have this process that God does. But we also learn a very important lesson from this. Favor isn't always instant. You see, God can do what he wants when he wants right now. When his children are up against the wall, he can part a sea and dry the ground all in the same night. And all these millions of people can, can cross on dry ground. Why? Because God chose to do that. But most of the time, we can be in God's favor. He's cleaning us up. He's getting us ready. But he is not always coming instant. He, he's on time every time. He's just always on, on, on our time. We want God to work faster. We want him to work different. But he has a plan. And that's something that we need to get a hold of. So we go into chapter 3 and we find... That Mordecai doesn't bow down to Haman. That's in chapter 3. He doesn't follow this decree, so what does that create? It creates some hatred between Haman and Mordecai. Haman don't like the guy. He is not standing up. for. He's not walking the walk like he's supposed to walk it. He's not following the rules, and therefore he thinks he's got to deal with him. So we also see not only here, we got God's favor because he's setting Mordecai up for a blessing that's going to come on down the road. But it all depends on how Mordecai acts. He's got to stay in with God, and so he didn't step away from what God was doing. So Haman comes up with this plan, and he casts lots to find out which day. He rolled a piece of dice, and it landed on this month. And then he rolled another and landed on this day. And he said, this is the day that we're going to wipe out the Jews. They're going to be killed. All because he didn't like Mordecai. Now, that's some serious hatred going on, ain't it? Hatred went from this guy to the whole race of people. Well, that ain't right. And so he did this and he does this. But they sent it out. We'll go to, go to um, uh, Isaiah 54 and 17, Charlie. Get there real quick. We're going to go here in a minute. 
He wants to wipe these people out because they're not doing how they, they think he's supposed to do. He don't like the Jewish people. He don't like God's people. So he got this decree together that they would bow to him. Mordecai chose that he would not bow down to him. But how many of you know there's a piece of scripture there? You need to take this and put it in your heart and let it be there. Because I'm going to tell you now, there's some people, they can look at you and two guys can look at you and love you and two guys can look at you and hate you. And you never changed a bit. So you got to stay true to God. You can't let those kinds of circumstances try to drive you in your life because then you get off track. And that's exactly what the devil wants. He wants us getting off track that we're not representing our Lord. So it says here, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That means anybody that wants to come against you with any weapon that they come up with cannot prosper. It will not prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. We find out Mordecai does that later on in the book of Esther. There is a, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me. You see, when God's favor is there... The, the, it's going ahead. It's going to happen. Things are going on, and we just need to understand just because we ain't got stuff, just because we could be in God's favor. You see, favor cannot be diverted because of plots and plans. Take that home with you. I don't care who wants to plot and plan against you. If you're in God's favor, it ain't going to amount to anything backroom deals and these kinds of things that people like to do. You know what I'm talking about. You know how the world acts. Plots and plans if you're in God's favor. That's your scripture. You can sleep a whole lot better at night knowing, oh, you know what? God's got this. I'm in his favor. Amen? So, i got to ask you this question again. What if your favor from God isn't about you? Because it may not be. There was a little lady that wrote the song, Shout to the Lord. Y'all heard it before. We've sang it here. Shout to the Lord. You know where she wrote the song at? She was working in a garage. She had a garage band. And she was working in a motorcycle garage, and the Lord spoke to her and said, write this song and sing it. They're nobody. They couldn't get a gig for free at a fair. But the Lord said, write this song and sing it. And now this song has gone out all over the world, and it's touched a lot of lives. You see, God's favor may not be just about you. It may be for the advancement of the kingdom. That song, I'm sure, has touched plenty of lives that it's touched them and it's tilled their, their hearts soil up enough that they got saved, that maybe they're serving the Lord, maybe they're into ministry now. We don't know what his plans are. That's how God's favor can work in our lives. And we need to take that with us because God's favor has a purpose. Every time that there's God's favor, it has a purpose. It might be that you have money and stuff that you call God's favor, but it's for the purpose of the kingdom, period. Everything that you're dealing with, every part of the favor that you may have, it may be that you got healed and got back in church after six months. 
so that you can stand up and give God some glory and say, He touched me. He put a veil over me and now I've been healed and now I'm back in church and I give Him the praise. I thank you for praying. You see, it's about advancing the kingdom. And that builds somebody else's faith because they understand that there is power in prayer. We get to see it firsthand. So God's favor always is about the kingdom. It's always about His good. It's always about what He has going on. In, for, in Esther 4 and 11, we're going to read through 14. All the king's servants and the people of the king's promises know that any man or woman who, does, who goes into the inner court of the king who has not been called, he is out, uh, I mean, he has but one law put all to death except the one to whom the king holds out his golden scepter that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. That's Esther answering the question to Mordecai who is letting her know about the plan to kill the Jewish people. And he says, you need to go and talk to your husband, the king. And she says, wait a minute, even though I'm the queen, I can't go unless I'm invited into the inner court where the king is. If I go in there, I could be put to death unless, of course, he lays his golden scepter on my head and says that I will be spared. Do you see that? They're getting ready to try to stop it. Mordecai is trying to lead her to the place that she needs to go. He understands the call of God on her life. He understands the fact of the favor, the fact that a nobody girl became something in the kingdom and now has the king's ear who also loves the Lord and his statutes and will follow him means something. And she's been placed into this place right now at this time. Verse 12. So they told Mordecai Esther's words, and Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. He's telling her that just because you're in the king's palace, it's eventually going to come back that they're going to know that you're a Jew, and a Jew, according to the king's decree, will be killed. And so he's telling her, don't think that just where you're at that it's going to be okay. I want to tell you this morning that just because of where you're at in your walk, where you're at in your life, don't think that God's work ain't going to go on. What he's saying here is, Esther, it ain't all about you, girl. I've called you to do this work. I've called you for a time such as this. We'll read on. Go to the next one. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. Stay right there for a minute, Charlie. It ain't all about you, friend. Brother Gene, it ain't all about you. It's all about his kingdom and the work that he's just called you to do. And he didn't say it was going to be easy. you got to put on some courage and walk to a place that you might not want to go. you got to put on some courage and go in there with some words that people don't want to hear. But you got to do what God has called you to do. And he's telling you don't get so wrapped up into yourself because guess what? If you don't do it, if you choose not to do it, or if you fail to follow what I have given you to do, I'll get somebody else. Because you know what? When God's work gets done, Brother Claudius, it don't matter what you know how to do. It don't matter who you know or how you know, how much money you got or don't got. It's God, if he says, I'm going to use you, you got a choice. I'm going to be used or I'm not. It's that simple. Because God's work ain't about us. 
Bradley, good to see you playing the guitar this morning. Talent. God gave you talent. I can't do that. I wish I could. I wish I could get over there when D ain't here and just tear that piano up. All I can do is stick a CD in and play it. But guess what? You get mad at God today and walk out, he'll just put somebody else on it. And you stepped out and God says, okay, when you're ready, come on back. He had favor for your life, but you might choose not to go with it. Does that make sense? Amen? And we awake? Does that make sense? So God's favor ain't just about you. And so he tells her, it's going to come from another place. I just raised somebody else up and get done what I need to do. But you and your father's house will perish. Guess what, girl? You're going to die. You're a Jew, and if it don't get stopped now, you will die. Yet who knows, now this, I love this, whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. For such a time as this. You're sitting in church this morning hearing this word for such a time as this. I'm pastoring this church this morning for such a time as this. You're leading music this morning for such a time as this. You're the Sunday school for such a time as this. What are you going to do with it? Are we going to let the Lord work? Are we going to see that that's favor just because we might not be getting a pat on the back from men? It's not about them. It's about God. Are we looking for some kind of uh, uh, honor to come? No. If it's about honor, then it ain't about the kingdom of God. We give honor to whom honor is due, but if honor ain't coming to the one who thinks he's due, he gets upset about it. Am I right? Guess what? God just said, look at what I'm showing you. It wasn't about me in the first place, and I've been trying to show you that, maybe for years. And so you can get out of this place when you got favor. When you got favor with God, she had a choice. She was set up, she was laid up to this place for such a time as this that she could go forth. But she did. She walked into where the king was. She went in there. And, and this would be like going to the White House right now and trying to get into where the president is in the Oval Office. That would be like the inner court. You go up there right now and you go through them gates and somebody's coming at you with a gun and if you don't stop, they'll shoot you and they ain't going to care about whose lives matter. They're going to shoot you and say, you're trying to get to the president. They'll shoot you and ask questions later. That's just how they are being trained. That's what they do. You understand what I'm talking about? You're not going to get to the president. And if you do happen to make it into the White House, you still got to get to his inner sanctum and there are people there that will kill you. You're not getting to the president. It's the same thing that she had to go through. I want you to have that mindset. When she would step into where the king was, unannounced or un, un, unsummoned, he hadn't summoned her to come in. When she went in, that's exactly what she was facing. She said, if I die, I die, right? And I think that's in there in that word. If I die, I die. I'm going to do what God has told me to do. And so she walks in, and we know that the king had favor in her. So what do you want? Up to half of the kingdom. Wow. And so the plot that Haman has is now being revealed. The plot that he had to wipe out all the Jews is now being revealed. 
And so what happens is, is she has now got the ear of the king. Mordecai knows what's going on, and now they're trying to stop it. Do you see God's hand was on it? This guy was number two in all the kingdom. And yet some nobodies from the wrong side of the track was able to come in with God's word and give it, and, and give it to the king so that they could be led in the right place. You see, favor always has a purpose. You want favor to work in God's in your life? You want God's favor in your life? Let me tell you, first off, it can't be bought. It ain't for sale. If it can be bought, it's cheap. You can't bring trickery into it and get God's favor. It doesn't happen that way. God's favor is something that is very special, and he chooses who he's going to give it to. If you work for it and you think, well, I've done this, 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 you got the list. You know, you pull it out and it, it falls down to the floor. Oh, God, this is all. No, that list don't mean a hill of beans if you got to pull it out on God because he was already keeping notes. If you're keeping them, he's going to save his pencil. Amen? I feel like I'm losing you this morning. Favor, Favor has a purpose. And it's always about the kingdom. God's favor, it might not be about you. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with that? Now we see here, we're going to find out. We're going to wrap it up right now. Haman had a plot against God's favored people, the favored ones that he had. And it ended first with his humility, followed by his destruction. I'm going to show you the first part of the humility in, in uh, Esther chapter 6. Verse 6. Haman came into the king asking him, What shall be done for the man? The king asked him, What shall be done for the man who, delights, who the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, Whom would the king delight to honor more than me? See, it was all about him. He didn't have God's favor. And Haman answered the king, For the man who the, who the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be brought which is the king has worn, and, let, and, and a horse on which the king has ridden, which has a royal crest placed upon its head. Then let the robe and the horse be delivered to the hand of the one of, of the king's most noble princes, that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor, and then parade him on horseback, through the, through the city square and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. And then the king said to Haman, Hurry and take the robe and the horse as you have suggested and do so for Mordecai the Jew who sits within the king's gates. Leave nothing undone of all that you have spoken. So Haman took the robe and the horse, arrayed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city square and proclaimed before him, Thus shall be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. The very guy who would not bow down to him, the very guy that he hated more than anything in this world, is the very one he had to do exactly what he said. God's favor. It ain't always instant. But it's always right. Amen. That's a, that's, a big, that's a big crow to have to eat, isn't it? Phew. Most people would just, you know, go to another state. I'm not staying here for that. 
Oh, yeah, you will. When God's in it, you will. Because you can't escape God. So the one that he wanted, he thought it was for him. He wanted to receive the honor. God made him take him. That was humility. That was the first thing that happened when he messed with God's favor. The second thing happened was whenever he was before the king at the, at the meal and, the, and the, the, the wine, I think it was, the wine supper. Second thing has happened. Esther reveals who he is and what his plot is. And the king gives the decree to kill him. Go to chapter 7, verse 7. And then the king arose in his wrath from the banquet. Now what happened, the reason he rose in his wrath is Haman was getting ready to have some words with Esther because she just told on him. And she, he's basically attacking her. And whenever this attack comes on, the king walks out and sees what's happening. He said, Then the king rose from his wrath from the banquet wine and went into the palace garden. And Haman stood before Queen Esther, pleading for his life, for he saw that evil was determined against him by the king. And when the king returned from the place, from the palace garden to the place of the banquet wine, Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. And then the king said, Will he also assault the queen while in my house? And as the word as the word left the king's mouth, they, rec- they covered Haman's face. And now uh, 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 Harbonah, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, Look, the gallows fifty cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on the king's behalf, and standing at the house of ha- or standing at the ha- is standing at the house of Haman. And then the king said, Hang on, hang him on it. And so they hanged Haman on the gallows that he prepared for Mordecai. And then the king's wrath was subsided. The very destruction that he had laid out for Mordecai was the one that he faced. And not only that, it went over to his sons. Now, you don't want a generational curse. Don't mess with God's favor. Amen? You start messing with God's favor, you're getting in a place of trouble. Because when we do that, we start telling God what he should and shouldn't be doing. And God gets to do what he wants to do. He can pick anybody he wants to do what he wants and to lay the favor on. I want you to understand today that you can be in God's favor. And in God's favor, it might take some time. It might take some time to get done what he needs done. He might need to fix us and change us around. It might take a little bit of praise and worship. You see, when she walked into the courts of where he was, I want you to picture this. I want you to picture the the temple, the inner court and the outer court and the holy of holies. The only way that we get into those places is through praise and worship. The only only way that you get into the place of giving God glory, that you get his attention. You see, she went in and got the king's attention, and it turned out well for her. She was afraid to. Many times we're afraid to worship. We're afraid to tell people about Jesus. Did you know that's worship? When we start telling people about the gospel... Do you know that when the disciples went out and started taking the gospel around the world, they were afraid, they were threatened, but they did what God had given them to do. They were the favorite of God, and people started getting saved. Lives started changing. So she went in with praise and with worship, and she was able to get into the inner court. She was able to get the king's attention to let him know what was going on. It's about God's favor. Your favor is always about his kingdom. Never forget that. So don't think just because you don't understand everything you've read in the Word or everything ain't going just like you think it should be going, don't think that it ain't God's favor. It ain't about stuff, and usually it ain't about how we think it should be. Because otherwise we think we've done cornered the market. 
Let me tell you something, friends. God ain't going to share that glory with nobody. I mean nobody. So this morning, we're going to sing a song. I want you to have a chance to be able to give God some glory this morning. I want you to have the chance to be able to come into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want you to have a chance to maybe get a hold of the favor that God has for you in your life. Don't look at the circumstances. Don't look at the commentaries that tell you what favor is. Look at the Bible, and it showed us this. It showed us that it's not about the stuff. It shows us this. and I don't think we're done with this yet, I don't think. Y'all want some more of this, or you want me to move on? <laughs> we'll see what God says. That's how we're going to do it. We're going to see what God says. God's favor. If you'll stand this morning, and we're going to go and we're going to sing a song this morning. We got the words for it too, so you'll know. This is your chance to give him glory. This is your chance to come into the Holy of Holies. This is your chance to even step into the presence of God. You might be here today and may not be saved. You've never been in the presence of God. This is your chance. This is your chance to move into where he is. This is your chance to receive his favor. This is your chance to be able to give him glory. This is your chance.